continuing in our series on Proverbs. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I think um, there's just times in my life where I just need some simple um, and yet profound just daily advice, how to do life. And that's what the Proverbs are. So today we have the way of an immoral woman, which is definitely out there in the world. Um, When I teach kitchen safety, I usually tell my sixth graders, listen, I'm not going to teach you anything you don't know. If you put your hand in a hot oven, it's going to burn. If you run the knife across your hand, you're going to bleed. We're more talking about the topic so that it can be on our minds and that we can kind of facilitate how we're going to make sure we stay safe. I kind of feel like that's how it is this morning. I don't know if I'm ever going to teach you something you don't know. Um, but if it's never talked about corporately, it's definitely one of those areas in life that um, Satan can use as just a uh, an area where he kind of blackmails you and, and you think no one's going through uh, the same thing. It can, it can really lead down some horrible paths. So let's read the whole chapter. I tend to never read the whole chapter, but we're going to do that in Proverbs chapter 7. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice. I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take of our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. All who were slain by her were strong. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Lord Jesus Christ, again, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it hits every topic. Again, we pray that your spirit would control me and empower me and empower us as a corporate body. Uh, that we would be taught today, um, again, just this battle that 
uh, so many of us face. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be gracious and that uh, you would uh, mend our hearts and prepare them and that everything I say would glorify you and honor you um, for you richly deserve it. And so, again, we're glad that there's a place here that we might come together as a body and worship you and learn of you. And so it's our desire this morning to do that. In your name, amen. We're going to talk um, in general a little bit about sexual immorality. Now, this chapter is really about adultery. Um, and yet there's a lot of things you can pull out of it in trying to deal with sexual immorality. I know that there's there can be a broad range of people in the room um, with situations in their past or present in dealing with just sexuality that we're not going to um, cover today. And sometimes it's hard to divide up these sections. But we're really just trying to talk preventative today. How does one prevent themselves from sexual immorality? Um, how does that happen? And so I just wanted to, again, kind of start with the why. I think sometimes we do a bad job at explaining the why. Why is sex before married wrong? I mean, why is it? Why is sexual morality bad? Again, when we go back to Genesis chapter 2 where it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I want you to think about God's design for the unit, the marriage unit, the family unit. When you're growing up in a house, it is the parent's job to provide for you physically, put clothes on your back, food, to uh, protect you as a parent. They're going to guard you from evil, and they're going to hopefully have some passion for you. They're going to love you as well. You get protection, provision, and passion, all those things you should get in a house. And when you step outside of that house, that's what you're saying to your spouse. We are now creating an environment in which people are protected, there's provision, and there's passion. And one of the benefits of that as a gift from God is sexuality in marriage. And so to have it outside of commitment is the huge problem. Our God is not the type of God that just likes to hand out blessings and says it doesn't really matter how you live your life. That is not how God operates, guys. And yes, we live in grace and our sins are forgiven, but even the daily Christian walk today, you do not get to do whatever you want and just expect God to bless you. And that's actually the whole thing of sexual morality. We get all the benefits and all the pleasure, and we don't have to commit to anything. And that's where the world's at. <laughs> the world has no problem getting all the benefits with no commitment. And that's the problem. That's one of the major problems. We should not be a people that expect blessing without commitment. When you're married, that's a commitment. That's a lifelong, I promise to be committed to you until the day I die. And all those things that should be in a marriage. And when I am committing to that, that's when I get the benefits of becoming one flesh. Outside of that, you're cheapening it. You're cheapening it. And so, um, let, let's look at, let's describe this guy here in verse 6. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple. I perceived among the youths 
a young man devoid of understanding. Okay, just to go along with our Proverbs, this is an area in which younger people and us adults can just be devoid of understanding. (laughs) We just don't understand. And that word simple really was encouraging to me. It can mean open-minded, gullible, and also naive. And so we were just talking a little bit about this right around 10.30. How do you draw that line? Either as parents raising your children or us corporately as adults, we don't want to know everything that's happening in the world, especially with sexuality. There's some crazy, perverse things going on. But we don't want to be naive either, guys. We don't want to be naive because if you're naive, you don't know what dangers you're walking into. Does that make sense? If you don't know there's danger out there and you're just kind of walking down the road, you don't know there's danger coming. And so it's very easy for us sometimes to go, well, how do you not know? Listen, I'm amazed and I'm guilty um, of my parenting in some of these ways of what we as parents don't know that's out there. So I ask my kids all the time, you might have heard me say this, uh, as a cooking teacher, there's times we can just talk. I don't know why I love to do this. I always ask my students, how many of you have a TV in your room? At least 90% of them do. And then I say, how many of you have Netflix in your TV? Usually about half. Now, Netflix is not like cable. In other words, you can watch things that are very mature. (laughs) It's not like, uh, you know, cable usually has some kind of filters. And so my next question is always, How many of you have your parents monitor what you watch? And they all kind of do the embarrassing smirk, and they all shake their heads. They don't monitor us at all. Guys, I've I've asked it in numerous classes. Numerous. They have no idea what these 7th graders, 8th graders are watching on a daily basis. Right in their rooms. And why do I say that? Our children are going into that world. They're going to go into a workplace maybe someday. They're going to go try to witness to a world that has been fed on that at a very early age, their whole lives. That's where we're at. And so we cannot be naive to that. Do you know, um, I love stats, they say 30% of marriages experience infidelity. 30%. That's those who admit it. They would say over half of marriages, now again, these are stats, so, you know, sometimes stats are wrong, but over half of marriages have an opportunity presented to them at one point in the marriage where infidelity is, is kind of put on the table. Let's do this. Over half, it's presented. There, there's no longer a view of keeping marriage holy. And I'm going to tell you, the world really does not care if you're married. They just don't. (laughs) It's gone. And so I don't want us to be a people that are naive to that. Let's look at some of the tactics of what this woman has done. First of all, uh, she is aggressive. And so again, I'm going to kind of, hopefully you'll see uh, the difference. We can talk about our marriages and infidelity. And then there's also just, if you're not married, Dealing with temptation in this area, this is also the world's tactics to try to get you to fall in this area. 
Okay? So it says there um, in verse, let me see, 13. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. Some translations say a brazen face. In other words, she is aggressive. She's aggressive. She's the one going after him. Okay? These things can jump out at you. And so I wish I was told this at an early age. I really do. Is that, and this goes for guys and girls, sometimes more for guys, is that this stuff can jump out at you when you really don't expect it. And you're kind of like, what just happened? Did I fail as a Christian? Um, I saw stuff that I, I shouldn't have seen. Um, again, I remember on my honeymoon trip going to Mexico, going into a pharmacy where there was just nudity just out there on like postcards. I'm sitting there with Kim like, I, it really wasn't my fault. Like, <laughs> I just walked in to like get a soda or something. Um, and so that kind of stuff's out there. It's very aggressive nowadays. <laughs> it's very aggressive. Um, people can be aggressive. People can be aggressive. So why is that important? We, we got to know and understand that we will be under attack. We do not necessarily have to be a people that go and look for this stuff. It will come to us. It will come to us. This lady also legitimizes what she is doing. Look at verse 14. I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. It's almost like you can hear it nowadays. Listen, God will forgive us. Right? God forgives us. If we go down this road together, he's forgiving. Not a big deal. I've paid my vows. We're all good with the religious system. We can now sin because I did my peace offering. That's how it works sometimes with people. Especially if you're not married nowadays, younger people, older people, um, you can get into that mindset. Well, you know what? I just, I'll indulge a little bit in this immorality because God's going to forgive me anyway. And so it's okay. And you can actually trick your mind into thinking that. And so, well, there's forgiveness. Let's not be too legalistic. It's not good. Verse 15. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. She's using flattery. You know what she's telling the guy? You're desired. Listen, I... I looked for you, and I saw something I wanted. You're all that. <laughs> you know, that's one of the, the cravings sometimes at the root of immorality, is that it feels good to be wanted. It really does. We, we are built to want to be accepted, to want to be desirable. And so I want to encourage us again in our marriages, and we're going to talk a lot about this later, that you make your spouse feel desired. You make them feel like they are all that. Like, why would I leave this house and go anywhere else? But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that just don't feel like they're worth anything. And there's a lot of people that just will do anything to feel like they're worth something. And so when they're having a bad day and someone approaches them in a very aggressive way and says, listen, you're desirable. You're desirable. I want to be with you. 
it's hard to turn away from that kind of temptation. It's hard to turn away from that. Verse 16, I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take of our fill of love until morning. Let's delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not home. My husband is not home. We should all kind of get a, kind of like a a punch-in-the-gut feeling when she says that. I mean, she is saying, we're going to have the time of our lives. And don't worry, my husband's not home. As soon as you hear the word husband, you should, this, this guy should sit there and go, time out, you're married. What, what, what just happened? And I'm going to tell you what I think it is. It's the idea, it's the idea that we don't keep marriage sacred anymore. And I'm telling you, The world does not keep marriage sacred anymore. Why does that matter? I just want to put it bluntly. When a lot of us uh, ladies stay home here, when your man goes out into the workplace, he's going to a place where the marriage does not have to be respected, guys. doesn't have to be. And And the girls can see a ring on the finger and they do not care. I don't want to paint like all doom and gloom. But the point is, I have heard staff members, and I don't think I'm, you know, the anomaly. You can talk to anyone who's in the world. People joke around about marriage like it's a joke. It's a joke. They don't keep the sanctity of marriage at all. I was trying to encourage uh, a couple, um, because I was watching, I was supervising the softball game this week, and I've gotten to know this couple. They have twins. They play uh, a few sports. I've had them in my class. Great family. And, uh... They were talking about empty nests because they're now eighth graders, and in four years, kids are gone. They're like, what, what are we going to do? You know? And they joked, we've, we've spent so much time with our kids, we're kind of scared in five years what happens. So I simply said, just trying to encourage, I said, hey, man, you've got to keep dating as a couple, right? And his response was, do you mean dating online for another woman? Or... And they're both joking. The husband and wife are joking around. And I'm telling you, this is a good family from all points considered. It's the idea that marriage is not kept sacred at all, at all anymore. And we have to be careful that we uphold marriage. We uphold it, guys. It's something pure and sacred. It's something that we don't joke around about. Like, maybe I'll just leave. We we should not joke around about divorce. That should not be said among us. You don't joke around and say those things. It's just not good. I remember... uh, I was reading some of um, Piper. He just said four things kind of that were very basic to keep our marriage sacred. First of all, don't get married unless you plan to keep your vows. Now, how simple does that sound? And yet the next generation struggles with that. They don't even really understand what the vows are anymore. Like, well, yeah, I'm just, it's kind of like a tradition that marriage people do. No, you promised something. You made a covenant to someone for the rest of your life. Don't get married if you're not going to fulfill the covenant. Don't do it. You don't got to get married. Fulfill your vows by staying married. There should be taught here, and I want to always teach here at Bramble Bible Chapel, when someone gets married, you better know that's for life. Because the storms of life come. It will not always be roses. It will not always be the best thing in the world. 
And you better put in your mind, this is not even an option. I stay with my spouse. I stay with my spouse. Fulfill your vows by maintaining emotional and moral fidelity. You gotta look out for each other. And stop thinking that, you know, uh, your marriage is not something that can be attacked. We all have emotional needs. And when you're not getting your emotional needs met, it can cause some emptiness inside. So make sure we go to our spouse to meet those needs. Fulfill your vows by praying faithfully for your spouse. Pray for each other. Realize that they're a sinner who needed grace and that they're going to mess up. In verse 19 and 20, when she talks about her husband, she talks about the fact that you won't get caught. (laughs) You're not going to get caught. Look, I saw he took a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. We have a window of time where we will not get caught. It can happen. Don't worry. We're not going to get caught. I mean, guys, outside of this topic, how many of us... (laughs) How many of us would struggle not to sin if we knew we didn't we couldn't get caught? <laughs> I mean that's a real thing. <laughs> Listen, I remember myself when I was first married, age I don't know, twenty three, twenty four, uh, I had really never been alone. I know, shocker, I'm kind of a people's person. And uh I, I'm telling you, it freaked me out. Like Kim went away to Arizona or something for a weekend. I had never lived alone. I am suddenly for the first time as a married guy, and I feel like I'm pretty old. 23 years old, in a house, all alone. And, it, and I remember just going, I can watch whatever I want and not get caught. For the first time in my life, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, and I remember like pacing in my living room, like, I gotta get out, I gotta get out of here or something. <laughs> so I, why do I say that? I, I just want to give practical, I remember I think something like, as, as long as I say to my wife, hey, ask me what I watched on TV when you get back. Now I'm good, because now i got a conversation coming. And now either I'm going to be forced to lie if I messed up, <laughs> or i got to say it to her face, and I don't want that conversation either. But sometimes, this is really that practical thing, sometimes it's kind of like, do we have marriages where you can say that stuff to each other? Like, I am very gracious that my wife, if I say, ask me if I watch, what I watched on TV when you were gone, and she's been very good at not being like, what, what, what does that mean? Did you read your Bible. Like, it's just not reality, guys. You need a spouse that helps. And again, this can, this can go both ways, guys. It could be the, the female asking the guy and stuff like that. But we, sh- we should be a people that help each other. We should be able to be a people that help our young people, help our single people. Guys, it, it, you know, we have physical needs. And so when those needs aren't met, that, that we can help each other. We can ask each other, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Instead of going, what? You struggle with what? It's just not good. Smooth words in verse 21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Are we those who are easily persuaded? Are you easily persuaded? You know the devil's a liar. (laughs) His tactics are out there. He doesn't tell the truth. Are we a people that are easily persuaded? 
These are all the things that the world uses to entice us to sin. These are all the things that are out there for us married couples that we are not um, not going to experience. All these things this woman has. She's aggressive. She talks about, you know, legitimizing it. She flatters. She says, listen, we're not going to be disappointed. It's very pleasurable. She doesn't care about the marriage. All those things are out there. Now I want to talk about the penalty of sexual immorality. And I got to tell you, if I'm, if I'm honest, I, I want to reread these over and over again sometimes. Because for some reason, it's like we don't believe it. It just, it can't, these penalties cannot happen that much just for one or two mess ups. And that's the idea of immorality is that yes, you can do some things with immorality that will change the rest of your life. The rest of your life. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 5. Interesting that the Proverbs gave us almost two chapters on adultery. (laughs) Two full chapters. In verse 10, it says, well, let's go to, um, it's talking about don't go to the adulterous woman. Because in verse 10, it says, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. You know, it costs you your money. It costs you your money. Sometimes that doesn't seem spiritual, but I've got to tell you, it affects a lot of people. Child support, alimony, divorce, those things cost money. So again, I understand that there might be some of us in the room that have gone through those things and it wasn't because of immorality. Um, I understand that. I'm just saying that sexual immorality can also cost you a lot of money. (laughs) It can cost you a lot of money and your wealth. There are those who lose their jobs because they got caught at work. Um, A lot of those things. I remember my father talking about it when pornography came out um, at Electric Boat where he worked. They were kind of like telling the guys, warning them, you are using our computers for this, and you are going to lose your job. They gave them like a window almost, like in two weeks, you better stop. And there were still Christians at the church that I went to that got fired from their job because they couldn't help but look at work. I can't imagine those conversations going home. can't imagine. Just lost my job today. Why? I was looking at stuff on the computer at work. Mental health. Verses, well, I'm sorry, I forgot uh, verse 11. Um, your health, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. There's physical diseases that come from immoral lifestyles. It's just plain and simple. So the world's going through that, guys. You know, I, I always kind of get nervous talking, not nervous, but I can't stand that argument. It's not why we don't engage in immorality just so we don't get a disease. That's kind of like the world's perspective. But there is a piece to look at living against God's law, what it does. The world is filled with disease because of this. Filled with it. Your mental health. Verse 12, And say how I hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. The guilt sometimes of sexual sin is overwhelming. And it messes with your brain. Especially if you love your spouse 
How could I have done this? How did this happen? I can't tell them either. I, there's just so much guilt and anguish. For a young person, I'm telling you, and I, I might have said this before, I just know that as a young person, if you struggle with it as a young person, the guilt and the anguish, you, you just felt like no one understands sometimes. Like, I'm not a good Christian. Like, these people think I am. And it's just so secretive that it could just mess up your brain. It can cause you a lot of mental anguish. You feel a lot of guilt. I, I, I can't go to the beach. My friends ask me to go to the beach, and I can't. because It's just a battle all day in my mind. And, and as a 17-year-old, I really don't want to say that out loud. Because that's weird. You want to go to the beach with this? No, I can't. I, I struggle with lust. That's weird. It's a weird conversation, guys. And so how, how do we promote an environment where young people can actually not have such mental anguish about it? Immorality may mess you up mentally. Turn to um, chapter 6 and verse 23. And there's a lot more verses in this. A lot more verses um, from the Proverbs that uh, will have the same thing. But chapter 6 and verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp. Oh, hold on. I have the, oh, verse 33. I'm sorry. We'll start in verse 32. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. He destroys his own soul. You, you cannot get a deeper punishment than that. If you look at the original, it's almost like you're committing suicide by cheating on your spouse. You're committing suicide. It will affect the rest of your life. I want again, I want to be, I know I'm talking a little firm here. There's forgiveness. It, there's marriages out there that have been through this and the Lord has restored. That's not what we're saying. But I'm going to tell you that sometimes it's like these are those verses you don't want to read about. <laughs> like, like when you're tempted to do something immoral, you read a verse like this can destroy your soul. And you're like, I, 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 that's, I, don't, don't, don't talk about those verses. I don't want to talk about those consequences. I just want to go have fun. Listen, if you're single and you're not married, immorality can destroy your soul. <laughs> that, that is a huge penalty, guys. It can affect you for the rest of your life. <laughs> God's giving us a warning. A warning saying, hey, be careful. <laughs> don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. All right. How do we prevent? How do we prevent? Hopefully, listing those penalties should give us a little boost, by the way. <laughs> Hopefully, we're a people that don't want our money to go, our health to go, our mental health. Oh, I forgot to talk about reputation. In chapter 5, verse 14, talk about your reputation shot. All you got to do is right now say Bill Cosby, right? What's the first thing that came to your mind? It wasn't the Cosby show. I'm going to tell you right now. It wasn't that he was a great comedian for a long time. Reputation, gone. Rest of his little life left, gone. That's how he'll forever be remembered. Gone. Joe Paterno, Penn State coach. What, what comes to your mind? Go, reputation, stick with you. This ruins reputations. That you, again, can be forgiven, but you don't lose the rep. It doesn't happen. How do you prevent this stuff? I want to talk about just um, 
sexual immorality um, if you're not married. I say, one, don't um, think it to be an extreme measure that you do whatever it takes not to fall sexually. <laughs> what do I mean? In Matthew 18, 9, it says, if your eye causes you to sin, what do you do with it? You pluck it out. In other words, you do whatever it takes to get rid of the sin. And I've talked about this before. There was a point uh, when I was a teenager, I went up to my father and I said, I cannot have cable in the house. And I'm glad that he had the wisdom just to kind of hear it and he got rid of it. That was amazing to me. And so why do I say that? Because I wonder right now if we as parents are approachable with that kind of stuff. If your kid came up to you and said, listen to me, think about the extreme measure your child is doing, going to their authority figure, the one that can get them in trouble, and say, I need you to get rid of this or I will fall. Are we, are we ready for those conversations without judging the living daylights out of them? And young people, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to have that conversation with your parents? I cannot have a phone. I can't. Are you ready for that conversation? And your, your mom or dad go, why, why can't you have a phone? Because I will look at stuff I shouldn't. That's an extreme measure. And that's practically applying God's word. If you're right, I causes you to sin, you pluck it out. You do what you got to do. You do what you have to do. If that means, and I know this sounds like legalism, it's really not. If that means you can't go to the beach in the summer, that's what it means. That's what it means. If it means that you cannot, uh, you know, there's just a hundred different ways there. You take extreme measures. You don't flirt with danger. Remember in verse 8 there in chapter 7, it says, he took the path to her house. I was thinking about this because he is naive, devoid of understanding. I think he knows there's some stuff going down over there. I don't think he knows everything. And that's the thing. He's flirting with danger. Okay? So, don't flirt with danger. Listen, I'll tell you a hundred times. There were certain people that you knew you could start talking to inappropriately and maybe doing inappropriate things with them. And your first comment sometimes as a believer is, I have to love them and witness. Don't, don't, I, how, how am I going to share Jesus' love? I'm just going to stop talking to them? Yes, you are. God's big enough to send someone else in their lives. That, that, that's what you need to hear. <laughs> There's people that you shouldn't hang out with and talk to because they're going to lead you down wrong paths. And don't play the I need a witness card because that's just foolish. Okay. Also, um, when it comes to things we watch, I'm amazed sometimes at, well, there's really no nudity in it, so it's not that bad. Well, if it gets your mind spinning, it really doesn't matter if the person's fully dressed. Who knows? You don't watch it. <laughs> you don't flirt with danger. You don't go, well, the line is nudity, so as long as it's not full nudity, I can, I can watch it, even though it's messing with my brain. Don't flirt with it, guys. Stay in the light. Verse 9. 
in the twilight, in the evening, in the black, in the dark, in the night. Guys, this goes with any sin. We like not to get caught. That's why we do things in the dark. Okay? You can't have it be exposed. So how did that practically work? Okay? This is the whole idea of dating. I cannot believe I sound so old. When you're dating someone, that's why it really is good sometimes not to be alone. Okay? And parents, I don't know what we're doing, guys. We set this up. We'd like to watch a movie downstairs. Sure, no problem. Everyone knows what happens when you watch the movie downstairs, right? Everyone does! It's like the funniest thing in the world. And yet the parents are like, oh, I'll go watch a movie downstairs. They're so cute. What a cute couple. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Don't, don't let your kid with their significant other go watch a movie downstairs. You're setting them up. You're setting them up, guys. I guarantee nothing's happening if they're staying in the living room. That is a bold person. If they want to get a little kissy-kissy into that in front of everyone else in the house. In fact, that, that relationship would be done right there. I kicked them right out. <laughs> That's, that, that one's easy. Stay in the light. All right. Be careful when you're sick or tired. I've said this a hundred times. I'm telling you, this was life-changing for me. Some of our uh, attraction to sin is sometimes just being physically tired, physically hungry, or sick. We've said this a hundred times. Guys, some of your moments of weakness come after a week of ministry. You're burning out. You are good spiritually. I'm telling you, you're on cloud nine spiritually, but you're exhausted. And then you just put something in front of your eyes. Or someone says something wrong thing. You're just like, I'm just so tired. I just don't feel like fighting. Be on guard of that. Look at your patterns. It actually makes sense to sometimes say, I have to go to bed tonight at 9 o'clock. Listen, with us raising kids, kids keep you up at night. <laughs> I told you I'd call it, yeah. Listen, guys, for us, again, you girls are exhausted. Kids been up all night. The guy's exhausted. He's going to work. That should be a kind of warning time. And I'm telling you, we're kind of like, what? What do you, what do you mean a warning time? My husband would never do that. My wife would never do that. Guys, when we're sick, tired, the kids are going crazy, don't be naive. When people, they can come to work and start talking to your husband and saying, hey, how are you doing? How's it? And then suddenly you're just so tired that you're in a conversation you should not be in. Don't be naive to that stuff. Understand you're weak when you're tired. Finally, Replace your thoughts with other thoughts. Again, in verses 2 through 4, it says, Keep my commands and live. And my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Read His Word. Meditate. Questions always have. How do I get these thoughts out of my mind? The only way to stop thinking about immoral things is to replace the thoughts with other thoughts. That's the only way. And what thoughts do we want to replace them with? God's Word. God's people. Again, this is why we encourage getting together with other believers. It helps us out in these areas. If I'm constantly hanging out with Christians and I say something stupid, usually I get called out on it. I'm like, why are you saying that? I don't get called out on that in the world. That's why I like to hang out with Christians. Okay? Now, for the marriages, for infidelity, let's look at chapter 5. 
in verse 15. This is basic. Basically, the answer is love your spouse. <laughs> love them. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breath satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Why? Drink water from your own sister. And this is what someone said. Um, in the legitimate sphere of marriage, seek the satisfaction of your natural impulses. The pure, innocent, and chaste nature of such pleasures is appropriately compared with the pure and wholesome waters of the cistern and the wellspring. The drinking carries with it satisfying of a natural want. Agreeably with oriental and scriptural usage, the wife's compared with a cistern and well. Guys, you got to drink waters. <laughs> Married people, you have to be concerned about how much water is getting drunk. Okay? Hopefully everyone sees the analogy. <laughs> okay? It's something that has, I don't know, you know, we pray all the time, how do we say these things out loud publicly? Every couple is different how much water you should drink. There's no set rule. But I'm telling you, the only place the person can drink from is your spouse. Is your spouse. That's it. That's it. The rest of their lives, the only place they get to drink is you. So think about that. Think about that. It's not supposed to be pressure. It should instead be love. Like, this is great. This goes back to the sanctity of marriage. Because we're providing this environment, we get to enjoy in this. And we have to be a people that don't just go, eh, I don't really care about that. I don't really care about that. Because I'm telling you, the world will eat you up. There are so many wells to drink from when you go outside of your house. You better know I want my husband, I want my wife drinking from my well. That's what I want. And so have open conversations, guys. We talked about this at the couple study. You should have open conversations. Are we drinking enough? I love the verse there. The, the, <laughs> the original in verse 19 is amazing. You should look at it. But it says, always be enraptured with her love. The key is this basically saying you get drunk off your wife's love. You get drunk. You are completely enraptured with her love. You should have a marriage where you are just absolutely addicted to your spouse's love. Be it emotional, be it physical, be it spiritual, you are enraptured by it. Guys, I'm telling you, to have a marriage that we just get along is not okay. We, we can live together and it's all right. That's not how it was designed. This marriage is the place where you get to absolutely feel loved and you give your love and you, it's the best thing in the world. You're enraptured by it. Because here's the thing where it says, why in the world 
Should you be enraptured by an immoral woman? This goes into 1 Corinthians. Do you not know your body is the temple of God? Why would you join it with something else? Listen, think about what you're saying. You're saying this one that I married, that I chose to live with for the rest of my life, I don't mind looking somewhere else. That means you're not satisfied. And again, guys, this is a huge conversation. I'm just saying maybe it's a starting point with some of us in our marriages. We should be enraptured with each other's love. We should make sure we have to do whatever it takes to just be in love and not just get used to the status quo. It takes work. I meant it when I talked to that couple said, keep dating. I meant it. It takes work. It doesn't happen all nice. And why? And we're about to go into corporate prayer. Why is this so um, important? Because we know all these things are a picture of us in Christ. We know it. And there's so much language in the Old Testament of God talking about, you cheated on me. You cheated on me. And He is the forever faithful husband. In Israel, their whole, seems like, existence cheated on Him. And so, how do you not cheat on God? How do you make this Christian walk something that you don't cheat on Him? And give your love to other places and your emotions to other places. You have to be intoxicated with His love. You have to be absolutely intoxicated with who God is. That He is someone you long to go be with. Long to spend time with. If not, you will go to other wells for your source of a physical need. You know you have needs. You know that, right? And God is saying, I'm the one. I'm the one that can meet those needs. Be enraptured with my love. That's why he uses language like the bride. That's why he uses language like the father and the... He completely loves us and desires us to be enraptured with His love. And that's what helps us stay committed. That's what helps us not sin. We're going to corporate prayer. I'm going to start us off. Dan, can you close us? Lord Jesus Christ, thank You so much that um, this great high calling to love You, uh, truly it is not uh, difficult. There's no one more lovely than You. Uh, There's no one that's loved us like you have and demonstrated it. There's no one more wise. There's no one more powerful. There's no one more rich. There's no one that can be a better spouse than you. So we pray again that you would deepen our love for you, that we might not cheat on you. We pray again, Lord, in this area of sexual immorality. Lord, uh, it's such a secret sin that who knows uh, if we have... Um, some sexual sin here that prevents this place from growing. That we have sin here that prevents relationships um, from deepening and getting strengthened. Lord, that uh, there's amazing things you want to do here and yet you will not move forward until we deal with this sin. And Lord, again, Lord, it's not just sexual sin. It's any sins. Lord, we pray that we would be a people uh, that get rid of this sin so that you can do your work. And so we thank you for your goodness and your grace. In your name, amen.